Welcome to Face Your Faith with West Kenyon. It is our hope that today's study will encourage you to grow deeply in your relationship with God as we study the Word together. Now let's join West for today's study. Our topic for this week is Jonah and the Whale. But unfortunately, we have already started this very globally famous story off on a boat with no oars. And without oars, we are not going to go anywhere we need to go, and that because we have no clue that it was a whale that swallowed Jonah in the first place, and it really has nothing to do with the fish. And as we discussed in the message, The Lion's Den, this is no story, but yet another testimony, and this time about God reaching out in love and mercy and saving a very self-centered, stubborn individual named Jonah who had his own agenda and perfectly outside of God's will. A quick side note, isn't it cool to see that Daniel had an agenda and Jonah had an agenda with God? Daniel's agenda? Walk with God. Jonah's agenda? Walk away from God. Perhaps we need to rebrand this incredible account, Jonah and the Savior. Perhaps we need to stop telling little kids and adults on Sunday about a man who didn't go where God told him. So there was a storm. Jonah was to blame. The ship's crew threw Jonah overboard. He started drowning. God sent a fish to swallow him. Three days later, the fish spit him up on the beach, and everyone lived happily ever after. It really does sound like a good old Disney movie. The Adventures of Jonah and His Whale. And that is just how it is generally presented, other than the version I heard about a year ago from a pastor that suggested Jonah died in the belly of the fish and was resurrected after being vomited up on the beach. Bluntly, that's crazy, as we don't see anything of the sort in the text. But we do hear Jonah was praying, and we know he was doing a lot of that. And wouldn't you? Ironically, I don't think Jonah dying would be half as impactful on him as having to live every dark second in the belly of that fish and with full recollection of all three days. Because that would be the only thing that would have an impact of what God was trying to teach him. Death, on the other hand, would have made the experience a walk in the park because there would have been no consequence of suffering. And I don't think that is what God intended for Jonah. So other than the very odd version I just presented, we have done a great job of cleaning up this story and making it tidy and fun with a bit of caution to make sure you listen to God so you don't get swallowed by a big fish. So boys and girls, be good, and you too will live happily ever after. And that is the mess of a story many of us have turned this account into. As I said, cute and fun and sadly useless. At least in my opinion, this story is not cute and fun and marked by a smiling fish and Jonah standing smiling on the beach, taking a selfie and tweeting, I made it. This is a very serious story and God intended it to be very serious. And yes, even for kids. So let's now look at the real, raw, unpurified version of Jonah's account. And we will begin reading from Jonah 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amati. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. 
All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified the sailors, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the sailors did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Okay, let's stop there for now and briefly walk through what is going on with Jonah up to this point. First, we see God ask Jonah to do something, and that something was to go and tell people about their misguided ways and to tell them about God. Well, that certainly sounds or should sound very familiar to Christians. Isn't that, after all, what God calls us to do every day? Or are you on a boat right now fleeing like Jonah? The passage might read, the word of the Lord came to you and said to go and tell the misguided lost people about me, God. Next, we see that Jonah is so you and me, so stubborn and not ready to go and tell the world about God. And so we run away just like Jonah. We find everywhere else to go but where God tells us to go. We find things to do all day long that provide the escape route to avoid doing what God has requested we do. Have you heard from God today directly through the scriptures or from someone else, or by just looking into his spectacular creation and knowing he is calling you to get up and get going? And often we get going and go where we want to go and tell God we will get to him later. And so we set sail on the ship of our agenda and to the place we want to go. And as we see in our own lives and in the life of Jonah, that often turns out to be a violent journey and full of storms and being battered about. Are you in a storm right now? I think another very unique set of circumstances in this account is the fact that Jonah, in his rebellion and stubbornness and disobedience, didn't just affect himself. He affected a bunch of people. So let's look at a couple. For one, it had a terrific impact on the ship's crew, and we see the crew was throwing cargo overboard, and that had a direct impact on even more people who were waiting for their goods. And by not getting their things on that ship could have had an extreme negative impact on their businesses and income. We then read in verse 5 that Jonah, again being very human and all about self, went and got cozy below deck and took a nap. I mean, why not? 
Isn't it exhausting to try to run away from God? I know for me, every time I try to do my own thing, it's always so much more exhausting than just doing what God asked me to do. The sailors then ask Jonah a great question once they find him snoozing. How can you sleep through this? Get up and do something. At least start talking to your God. Interesting. The very one Jonah was running away from is now the one he is being called to talk to and go back to. And I'm quite certain before the sailors drew straws, Jonah knew very well what this was all about. Isn't that the same thing in your life? When things start going south, you know very well in advance why the storm is brewing, and yet you wait for others to come to you before you possibly admit it and or take action. And so Jonah was questioned, and he did finally admit what was going on. But think about this too. While this discussion was taking place, the storm was still raging and terrifying people and damaging the ship. It was chaos the whole time. But the chaos only grew as Jonah said, hey guys, FYI, you need to throw me overboard if you want the storm to stop. Again, I can't imagine that. You're in the middle of the worst storm of your life and you are being forced to make a life and death decision on behalf of someone else. And yet, while the sailors knew fully what they had to do, they still tried to be nice to Jonah and not potentially put him in harm's way or even death. And what have we here? An example of enablers. Yes, they were being nice, but they were directly told what to do, and they too didn't listen to directions. And at this point, they were being just as stubborn as Jonah and were now prolonging the storm for themselves. This sounds just like friends and family who are going through raging storms. Someone has been asked to do something and decides not to, which causes chaos and drags everyone into the storm. Then, everyone wants to be nice and ends up only prolonging the devastation, which isn't so nice after all. The sailors had all right to be terrified. I can certainly understand that they didn't want to be held responsible for potentially letting or being the cause of someone dying. Notice these sailors were completely innocent with respect to Jonah's situation. They had nothing to do with his stupidity and stubbornness and his running. Yet they were dragged into this mess. And just like many accounts in God's word, that many innocent bystanders get roped into the messes of the sins we choose to indulge in. As we see, however, when the storm got out of control and the sailors had to face what enabling Jonah was going to do, they decided to listen to Jonah and chuck him overboard. However, and while that is all relevant and interesting, that experience for the sailors isn't half the story and outcome that is so amazingly remarkable. The amazing, remarkable part is because of what Jonah did in the first place, trying to run from God, getting on the ship and causing chaos for many. But it ended in the crew of that ship truly seeing the awesomeness of God and who God was and is. And isn't it most often the case that we only see God in the middle of a raging, out-of-control storm and the chaos of life? So while Jonah brought this nightmare to unsuspecting people, God used the situation to not only get Jonah's attention, but to get the attention of all those involved. Notice carefully, Jonah was not the only one rescued from dying that day. Jonah was not the only one saved. The crew of that ship was saved. They came into the presence of the Lord for the first time. They saw God and worshiped him in thanksgiving and praise, knowing he is the one true God. How do we know this for sure? because our passage tells us very clearly 
the sailors were calling out to their own gods, lowercase g, and asked Jonah to call out to whoever he worshipped, his god. But in verse 16, we see the sailors acknowledging the Lord God, the one and only God. Does it get better than that? A perfectly chaotic and what appeared to be a hopeless situation was turned into lives, not a life, being rescued. Keep in mind, when the sailors obeyed and threw Jonah overboard, the storm instantly stopped. And this is a powerful example of how God works in each one of our lives today. When we are in the raging storm of stress, anxiety, worry, rebelliousness, stubbornness, anger, hatred, resentment, and we stop and listen to God and do what He says, the storm stops. Now we see for the sailors the storm had stopped and they could at least begin to head back to land while Jonah, on the other hand, was going to ride it out for some time. Three days worth in the gut of a fish. Again, no mention of a whale. And the assumption someone made at some point along the way was that what swallowed Jonah had to be a whale because that would be the only logical fish-like creature that could fit a person. But my recommendation is to be careful and not to make proclamations of assumptions of what is not said. Keep in mind that God's Word is quite direct and quite detailed, and we really don't need to add any of our opinions and drama to it, just like the opinion and assumption that Jonah died a few days during the journey in the fish. So now we have Jonah cruising around in a fish, and now we get to see him getting real with God. Again, isn't that how it always is, though? When things appear to be going well, we play and run and hide and do what we want to do. And then when the rubber meets the road, it's foxhole prayer time. The famous line to God, Oh God, please save me. I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. And that is exactly how Jonah went to God and prayed. It was more or less a foxhole prayer we will come to find out. I'm not saying Jonah wasn't sincere about his calling out to God, and the words he spoke weren't honest. I'm not suggesting that. But I am saying he is, after all, a real person, and we pray all sorts of things we often don't fully mean when we are scared and wondering what our outcome will be. And we can be certain Jonah did not know what his outcome would be. What we do know is that he had been swallowed by a large fish, was stuck in its gut, and found time to go back to God through prayer. We also see this was the first time Jonah is reported to have turned back to God from the time he set sail and through the storm. We don't hear that he was praying to God during the storm, but only when he was trapped and had no way out of his situation. Again, sounds just like you and me. Even in the storm, we still try to keep fighting, and just like those sailors did as well. Now on to Jonah's prayer, and we pick back up with Jonah 1.17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. The roots of the mountains sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. 
When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And this prayer sounds like a twofold prayer. One, scared to death, and two, that he, Jonah, truly did regret what he had done. I do find it rather interesting, however, that we don't hear anything in Jonah's prayer that indicated he would go just as soon as he was set free and do exactly what God asked him to do. All he says in verse 9 is, What I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. But that is not saying he will go and do what God initially told him to go and do from the start. Regardless, God got the fish to barf, and I can only imagine that fish couldn't wait to barf up that man in its gut. As I said, Jonah disrupted a ton of people's lives, and he was also disrupting the fish's life, as that poor fish probably had to listen to Jonah whale, no pun intended, for three days, likely day and night. Now we need to look at the reality of what Jonah had to face for three days and three nights in the belly of that fish. Of course, since God caused this extraordinary one-time event to take place, the fish was obviously purposed by God, and the fish obviously followed God's orders and plan. More proof, God is in control of all things. But consider that this fish more than likely was still just a regular old fish that had been doing its regular old thing that fish do in the water, and that fish, whatever contents in its stomach it had, and it liked to eat, and Jonah was now sitting in that stomach sack with all the digestive juices and digesting of food. Based on that, my assumption would be that God did not make it a very comfy place to reside for those three days and nights. I'm pretty sure it was completely dark, it stank, and it was juicy. After all, experiences like this are only as good as the conditions you are given to deal with it in. And if they are cushy, we have no reason to grow and not do that thing again that got us in trouble in the first place. Sometimes we just need to get a grip on reality in really hard, foul circumstances. And even after all that, we still often go back to our old way of life. Sometimes the situation doesn't stink bad enough. Think about it. How many people can say they have been the one to be barfed up? How many of us can say we have been fish food? This is certainly a profound twist on how it normally goes because we are usually the ones doing the barfing and the ones that have fish in our stomach. Furthermore, how many of us can say we have been entombed alive in a fish and having no clue what our outcome would be? Was this the end of life, to die in the belly of a fish? So Jonah prayed, was puked out, and landed on a beach. And why? Because God extended great mercy on him. You see, Jonah wanted to escape from God and go somewhere. And while he couldn't escape from God, he did go somewhere. Jonah also wanted to travel by a seagoing vessel. And God saw to it that he did start and finish via that method of travel. Jonah wanted to end up on a different shore, in a different place from where he started his journey. And indeed, he made it to a different shore in a different place than where he started. Isn't it often the case that God will ultimately let us run, but run in a direction we never intended to go? As I mentioned, Jonah wanted to go somewhere by sea, and that is exactly how he traveled. 
I once got very frustrated and hopped into the car to just take a long drive to go find something different than the surroundings that I was angry with. I wanted to find something to take my mind off of life, ultimately off of God. But no sooner than I had begun my journey of escape, I mistakenly made a wrong turn and got stuck in hideous traffic and was stuck sitting in my car and forced to reckon with my anger, frustration, and resentment towards some people and God. I did indeed go on my journey, in my car. I got away from where I wanted to get away from. I just didn't end up where I planned to go and do what I had planned to do. God turned the car the wrong direction for me to sit trapped in traffic, entombed in my car, to pray and come to terms with where I really needed to be, and that in the presence of God. And while that sweet story of mine may be moving to here, I have still not learned my lesson. I still go my own way, make my own plans to run, hide and forget what I was called to do by God. And yes, God still uses my escape plan, and still He frustrates it. But now I am beginning to understand more clearly that He is only doing this because He truly loves me and wants me to be the best I can be for Him and as an honoring and obedient light to the world. So this is where we will stop until next week when we will pick up and see if Jonah had been tamed by this cosmic ride or if he too quickly forgot all God had done for him to save his life just a short while earlier. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your greatness and love for us and that you send us these great fish to swallow us up and that to ultimately save us. Please keep us uncomfortable on our journey home. Keep us focused on you even in our stubbornness and when we don't get it the first or second or third time. We are exceedingly grateful that you do not enable us and give in to our whims and foolish desires. Father, we ask that you would keep us mindful of living for you and not the world, and that we would indeed remember you have given us the power to thwart Satan in all circumstances of temptation in our lives. Help us to call out to you the name above all names in our times of temptation, self-centeredness, and our desire to run from you. Thank you that even in our disobedience, you will cover us and forgive us of our shortcomings, and desire and long for our eternal presence with you. Thank you for salvation, for what you have done and done for us. We now humbly ask all these things in the name of the one who saves, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't forget to come back next week to listen to part two of Jonah and the Fish. And if you have been swallowed up and are riding around in unexpected circumstances, stay in God's face and he will let you out when you are ready. Thank you.